I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we have a very, very special episode for you guys. And for anybody who's sick of hearing me talk more than Buck, that's going to be a change of pace right here. It could very well be. I think so. I think so. I may may direct the conversation a little bit, but Buck is just going to be smashing us with his wisdom. I know that for a fact. And this leads us into the conversation that we want to have today. And that is a recent anniversary in the gaming scene. And that is the 25th anniversary of our beloved Donkey Kong Country. The very first one on the original Super NES. Came out on November 21st, 1994 in the U.S. That just, man, it makes me feel old. Not going to lie. I feel you. It's been 25 years. I was a a spry little seven-year-old. And I remember just starting way back because back in the day we used to to find games basically when we would just see the box art and, you know, they just show up randomly at the store. In my case, the usually the rental store. We had the local one we probably talked about in here before, movies and more. And I remember just I saw new box art, new game and rented Donkey Kong Country and the rest is history. <clears throat> it, it did have really uh, expressive and interesting box art that would definitely draw a kid in. I, I own a box copy. I know you do too, Buck. Uh, yeah, but it does have, have a poster of the box art hanging up on my game room slash office here. So yeah, a lot of love for it. Oh, so you even have it there for immediate reference. So you know it's still good. It still holds up. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Donkey Kong Country, uh, as, as we said, did come out in '94, uh, but obviously that wasn't the first, you know, sighting of Donkey Kong as a character. Donkey Kong originated out of the genius that was Shigeru Miyamoto in 1981 for the original Donkey Kong title, uh, where he, you know, defending his captured princess from the likes of Mario, uh, a game that is very unlike the Donkey Kong Country series as a whole. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, I don't think I'd be talking about it. Don't think we'd be talking about it here if it was like the original Donkey Kong, because I gotta say... Personally, I'm not a big fan of the original Donkey Kong. I mean, obviously, it's a simpler time and and games were, were fairly simple then, but I just never was one of my arcade favorites. Yeah, and I think that that kind of speaks to that we didn't necessarily grow up with games of that vintage so much. You and I, we both grew up like our first consoles generally overall was NES, Super NES and the Sega Genesis. That's where we kind of started. So for those games to really, you know, uh, be special to us and have really blown us away, we would have needed to probably grow up with them and, you know, see our maybe our parents playing them or something like that. But that was not the case for us. But obviously, Donkey Kong Country, a huge step in several different directions and just a a mammoth title for the, the Super NES that needs no introduction. But we're definitely going to talk about it. I mean, just the graphical leap alone, it was it was basically Toy Story a year before Toy Story. It's kind of how I describe the the look of everything, kind of the the claymation almost like pre-rendered 3D ish graphics were super mind blowing for the time. Like it was it was crazy. The I mean, I guess the Saturn had just launched a couple of months before, and it looked better than anything on the Saturn. Yeah, I think the PlayStation was getting ready to, or maybe it already had at that point. I, I'm not for certain there. But, I mean, the the development squad that, that designed this game 
uh, I guess the brothers were Tim and Chris Stamper. They were kind of messing around, experimenting with a a new uh, silicon graphics technology that was being used in the movie industry at the time. And they wanted to try and figure out how to render 3D sprites in 2D games. And that's where that pre-rendered graphics uh, that you see in the Donkey Kong Country series came to life. And, you know, Nintendo was kind of you know, impressed by this. So they went ahead and uh, I think they bought out like half of their team at Rare and they went ahead and started the development of the game, which there was only 12 people. And uh, I think it took them about a year and a half. And, you know, the game came out in stores and critical acclaim. And as far as I know, I think it's about the third best selling Super Nintendo game on the on the console, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, I mean, it sold a ton. And later in the life cycle, I remember it was uh, packaged in, says Super Mario World or Mario All-Stars, that Donkey Kong Country was actually the uh, the packaged in game there, which, I mean, it says a lot of Nintendo has a confidence to basically make you their mascot, essentially, which was what Donkey Kong really became, like, the second half of the 16-bit era. Yeah, you know, Donkey Kong was actually a pretty good answer to... Sonic the Hedgehog, especially from like a gameplay perspective, um, it was a nice medium between the Mario and Sonic titles. At least that's how I felt about it. Kind of took advantage of that kind of extra speed and the more open level layouts that Sonic had, but definitely had the precise uh, platforming that Mario brought to the table. Oh, for sure. And even just jumping back to like the graphics real quick, it was the first time I can remember... Um, not just the characters, but like the backgrounds felt like they actually had depth. Like like Super Mario World, just for example, everything uh, just looks kind of super flat in the the pre-rendered backgrounds used in Donkey Kong Country, or you know, kind of remind me a little bit of what was done during like the PlayStation era. Kind of a lot of the the RPGs we know and love to just have those almost sweet like pre-rendered backgrounds that still hold up today. I feel like that's kind of the, the Donkey Kong Country graphics there, too. Yeah, I miss those a lot. And and the fact that it still holds up is is incredible. And I think that speaks volumes to the technology that was developed there in that first outing. And, I mean, I think I don't think anybody's going to argue that the, the second and third country games probably look better. But... You know, they'd mastered the technology that they were working with at that point, and that just makes sense. But Donkey Kong Country is definitely a beautiful game even today. Oh, yeah, for sure. It holds up better than... I mean, really, a lot of the 16-bit games in general, the pixel art and things hold up well, but I think Donkey Kong Country in particular looks ridiculously good still to this day. But yeah, just jumping back to the the gameplay, um, it was... I'm not going to say, like, Maybe just a little simpler than Mario, just because there was there was no UI at all, which I always thought was cool. It was literally, you have Donkey and Diddy, and that's how you know basically how many hits you have left. They're both right there, and the only time that anything, your lives or banana count or anything would come up was when you actually like got a banana. It would pop up there for a second, like in the top right corner. Otherwise, that they would just let you have full view of the screen. Without anything like no life bars, no time counting down, no score or anything like we're used to in Mario and Sonic. You didn't have to worry about any of that in Donkey Kong Country. Everything was just wide open for you to to view and just take in. That was nothing that I actually considered when I was playing it. 
I think it's just a nice, you know, quality of life feature that I think more games could probably take advantage of. Thinking back on it, I didn't remember that that was the case. But watching videos of it this afternoon, I didn't get a chance to play it before the episode. I was disappointed. I wanted like a good half hour, hour to sit down and play it. Um, yeah, I thought that was that was really cool that they had they decided to go that way. Um, you could you could say maybe it was kind of risky, but I think honestly they give you all the information you need. If someone's going to complain about that, I think they got bigger issues. Oh, for sure. And I actually had a chance uh, at least once a year. I like to go back and and beat the game, and I got a chance to do that. Um, not this past week, which was Thanksgiving week, but the week before, went ahead and just did my uh yearly Donkey Kong Country playthrough, and uh, it never gets old. Love playing it each and every year. So pretty pretty brushed up on it. Played it probably about ten days ago. Now I beat the game, so I'm ready. Oh, I believe it. And and does that mostly have to do with just that that brisk gameplay, the flow that, you know, the developers spent a lot of time trying to get, you know, the the motion and the speed the and the animations down for the characters. But I one thing that always kind of stood out to me was there was no separation between like movement and like combat. You never had to like stand still to fight something you're you're always in motion either jumping on something rolling into an enemy something like that there's always just kind of like a beautiful clip and a a nice sense of mastery depending upon how much you played it and how well you knew the levels yeah absolutely i mean the game can be a speedrunner's dream i mean set up like that where you can completely take your time where you like you said you can never stop motion basically through an entire level between I mean, rolling through it, you can jump on enemies for momentum. You can freaking cruise through levels super fast. Like when I did, I did the uh, the Cranky Kong run, we have to try and get through the game uh, basically under an hour without dying. Or you can just kind of completely take your time and go through every nook and cranny, find all the secrets, get the animal buddies, and use like a Donkey Kong's ground pound that just they came up with during that game. That's the only thing that kind of kills momentum a little bit if you use it. Yeah, but is it even really that necessary in most scenarios? I always thought his ground pound tended to be a little superfluous. Oh, it definitely is. I didn't even know it existed for like the first three or four years that the game was around. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing, so it definitely is. The most deeply, deeply secret secret in all of video games, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I've got 100% of the game and have didn't figure out the ground pound yet, so I should tell you something. Yeah, that's all right. I, I think those it's clearly not an Easter egg. It's clearly built into the game. But they did, I, did they not even put that in the manual? Yeah, I think we you went through this before. Manual, I don't read those. <laughs> I know. I know. I figured as much. <laughs> but yeah, there were there were a ton of secrets in that game. I think a lot of collectibles too. Uh, obviously, bananas. Got to collect all those as best you can. And as far as yeah, as far as my the, memory the serves, those were coins. mostly just like coins in general. As yeah. far from like Mario yeah, or Sonic games, those are just yeah, just the coins for like in Mario, just for one ups. You get a hundred bananas, it's a one up. It wasn't anything that counted toward your actual like completion goal or hundred percent goal. That was just the uh, the secret rooms, and then obviously the collecting Kong. Which was another unique thing. I think they're the first ones to do that, where you'd have to collect letters to, you know, spell something, get an extra life. That was definitely the first time I ever saw that. And collecting the Kong letters, and then were there also coins, like secret, like banana coins, or was that in later games? 
That was in later games. The original Donkey Kong Country, you could collect um, little animal buddy like gold pieces. If you got three of those, you got to do a bonus stage with your your animal buddy just to basically get extra lives. But yeah, that was later games. You had banana coins like in the third one, and you had like crim coins in the second one, and then you had like the hidden DK coins in two and three also. So definitely expanded upon it. They were kind of the first. They're really one of the only like 2D kind of collectathons if you think about it. The kind of the the 3D, especially 64 era, really spun off on and all the uh, the rare 64 games like the Conkers and Banjos and even Mario 64. They just become basically collectathons. It was one of the one of the first games that I remember specifically having not only save slots because I mean on the Super Nintendo that was that was relatively standard there towards the end. But actually keeping like a percentage completion ratio. And I think in that game, was it 101%? Yep, 101's completion. Because there's a, in one of the factory levels, there's a bonus stage inside a bonus stage. What a dick move. It is, because if you miss it too that one time, then you can't get it. So it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was I was listening to some reviews today uh, in preparation and a lot of people brought that up and i was like it's incredible anybody ever found that but i mean as many times as you've played it you probably found it on your own it's not uh, like no i mean when i got 100 percent, i thought i was good i didn't know that oh, yeah, that, wow, that, that, that's thing, fair so. that's like fair castlevania so it, oh it's not like castlevania where you get like ooh, <laughs> like 99.9 percent completion What's completion symphony nine? Is it like two hundred and four or something ridiculous? Uh, you know, I should remember that. I think it's like it's like two hundred and four point six or something like that. That's what I was thinking. It was like two hundred four point something. Well, that's if you're not glitching the game and you don't get up to like six hundred. But that that's a different story. But yeah, no, that that was cool, and I I believe they also incremented that percentage completion with the sequels too so it was 102 and 103 i remember yes, that right yes it was and there were just so many more collectibles and stuff i always thought especially the the dk coins are really cool um in the sequels because even the second one when you got to the end of the game they basically cranky would make fun of you if you didn't collect enough coins because there'd be a yoshi mario and zelda or link not zelda would be like <laughs> the three people on podiums ahead of you and then they also had a Sonic shoes in the trash, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty nice uh, slight to Sega at that point. <laughs> so let's uh, let's camp out on the characters a little bit because that was one of the defining features of Donkey Kong Country. It did have a lot of personality to it, and a lot of that had to do with uh, the the small cast of characters that were along the ride for you. You want to talk about those a little bit? Oh yeah, especially, and I mean, I feel like those hit me like a about the perfect time because when it came out I was I played it with my brother and he was 11 and I was 7 so like these I would almost call them like well these basically 90s characters with all kinds of tude really came out at the perfect time oh yeah it was a real Saturday morning cartoon because we got obviously Donkey Kong himself and like everyone that's been playing games the last you know 20 25 years now knows you know the current one we have with the red tie which wasn't a thing before this. It was just the, you know, the original Donkey Kong, which was an antagonist in the original arcade game, didn't look much like the Donkey Kong Country Rare Donkey Kong. 
That's true, and that was that was due to Shigeru Miyamoto suggesting that he have the tie. That's very true. And then the original Donkey Kong from the arcade game is actually supposed to be his grandpa here, which is Cranky Kong. And he's one of the coolest characters. He just like insults you constantly and um rides around the screen in a walking chair. Or not walking chair, like a <laughs> rocking chair. Good lord. <laughs> in a rocking chair and then he actually you can buy hints and things from him and he will uh, usually he'll give you a hint for free to like one level in the area to bonus or something otherwise you have to just uh buy hints from him but yeah he's a he's a cool dude he's one of the first i don't know like he's i mean he's like a protagonist he's a good guy but yet he'll still like insult you and tell you how much better he is than him he's kind of a unique character at the time Absolutely. I, I liked him a lot. And then we can't understate how great of a villain King K. Rule is. What a, oh, that's, that's very true. Yeah. Personality for days and just animations alone, probably one of the best animated characters in gaming. And I mean, all the, the Kremlings in general, which is the main um, villain of the, the games there, which are basically all uh, K. Rule's race, basically all like uh, crocodiles. And I don't know, they just all have tons of personality, whether it's the huge jacked up roided guy Crunch or Claptrap, the little gator guy that just nips like at your heels. Like there's just so many of them. And like you said, so much personality. And also we can't forget about my favorite at the time, especially being a little brother and having to play second player, Diddy Kong. Yeah, way cooler than Donkey Kong. For sure. And his his moveset was better. He was so much faster. The only only drawback is if he jumped on the back of one of the armadillo dudes, you had to hit him twice. He'd just stop his momentum. And you couldn't roll through um, like the the big army dudes with the huge gut names escaping me. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. I actually didn't know there was that much nuance in the differences. I did know that yeah. Diddy was a little bit faster, but that was about it. Yep, doesn't have the ground pound, and then he can't um, jump on top of the army dude and the armadillos are actually super annoying because if there's more than one rolling at the same time when you jumped on a rolling one's back you pretty much died automatically yeah but Diddy had a had a, a long legacy after this title obviously he got his his own game and the, the follow up Donkey Kong Country 2 and uh, got his his own racing game on the Nintendo 64 Actually, what made me buy a 64 was Diddy Kong Racing coming out, and I was such a huge, you know, Donkey Kong Country and Diddy Kong fan. I was like, I need a 64, Mom and Dad, come on. It's Diddy Kong Racing. That was pretty good to boot. It was a really good game. It actually had a, a good story mode in a racing game, which is, I feel like that's probably still not done. I don't play a lot of racing games, but I feel like that still doesn't get done to this day. No, I think that was one of the big reasons why it wasn't overshadowed at well it was obviously overshadowed by mario kart 64 but one of the reasons why it did stand out on its own and i'm glad it yeah, did because yeah it is a quality title oh 100 but yeah diddy in general he was um, at the time especially back in the day probably my favorite video game character period oh yeah so. he was pretty cool and yeah i mean i would argue i like donkey kong country 2 that's probably my favorite in the series so Which one donkey kong country 2 Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's most people's favorite. I think I just have so much nostalgia for the original. I still 
I mean, it edges out for me a little bit, but I wouldn't argue that the better game overall is Donkey Kong Country 2. And I mean, the first, the trilogy in general, they're all like head and shoulders above so many games. that I love all three of them, but still got to go with the first one. So, so I want I want to ask you a few questions uh, about the game. So this is like more more personal for you. So you said you you got it at movie you you rented it at movies and more, our, yeah, our local absolutely. our local rental store. When did you actually end up picking up the game later on? Uh, Christmas morning in nineteen ninety four. Oh, so not Santa not long me. after that. So no, did you Santa so you, did you not rent it or were you just like I saw this I want it. Hey, mom. No, I rented me. it and played it, and that's how that I probably didn't shut up about it for the the next month. And they're like, "Let's get him Donkey Kong Country." There you go. That's one way to do it. So at that and, point, before you had gotten that for Christmas, did you actually finish it during your rentals? No, I got to. I'm not sure if you remember that first snow level, like where the the snow's coming down really hard, and then you have to. There's a lot of tricky, uh, like barrel jumps through there, and I remember. I couldn't get past that. Yeah, that's pretty rough. And that, that that's pretty close to the end though, if I remember that was, correctly. Yeah, it's like the uh, the second to last area. But yeah, I wasn't so you... disappointed at all that I don't know how many times that first year I probably beat the game probably ten or fifteen times, so wasn't disappointed. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um I'm glad you didn't have to wait that long. Not 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 nearly as long as I had to wait. Like I don't even remember when I got the <laughs> game, which is which is sad. But uh I mean, I got it with a lot of other games at the same time. I was going to say, like my history with the series, uh, I I like all the games. Like I've played the original trilogy. Those are pretty much the only ones that I have a lot of experience with outside of the the Game Boy titles, the Donkey Kong Land games, which are are very good, too, in their own right. Uh, Donkey Kong Land 2 being the one I specifically spent the most time with. But I have a lot of affection for the series overall, and I've played through all the games at least once except for the modern ones and uh, a rare co-op game i'll say that we haven't played together yeah that's for sure um i don't know why that is i i I tend to think that we try to ignore platforming games because they're not usually my cup of tea and (laughs) you're a beast at them so uh, i can imagine it would be very frustrating trying to play with me which we've done (laughs) we've done a few times and i've you know i I always am able to live up to the expectation that I suck. So, <laughs> yeah, not gonna disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Buck. No, you had my back there. In saying all this about the games, I'm curious: is there? I know you like pretty much everything about the original game. Is there anything that you would change about it at all? Anything like nitpicky that you're just like, "Ugh, that part sucks." There's a there's a level or something that I think's unfair. Anything like that, or is it just too rose color tinted? Two rose tinted color glasses for you. <laughs> There's a lot of definitely the rose colored glasses uh, on it for sure. Uh, the first one I think actually has probably the best uh, difficulty for the series, or maybe the third one. The second one is actually a fairly difficult game. Like probably if a lot of today's you know gamers picked it up that are used to all the the save states every two seconds and auto saving, they probably have a lot of trouble actually beating Donkey Kong Country too, especially the the uh the special world you have to to pay club for to use all the crim coins basically the the lost world they stole from jurassic park but the first one the only thing i would say um they do have like right around where i got stuck when i ran the game um just for that one night i got stuck on the 
the first snow level there, that world is like a huge jump in difficulty after the game up to that point is, you know, I mean, I played a decent amount of platformers, but I'd say even by those standards, like it's pretty easy by that point. And then you get there and there's a lot of, you know, tricky jumps and the, the barrels that move really quick. If you don't have a perfect shot, you just die. So I would say that's probably the one nitpicky thing if they had to change anything. Otherwise, I mean, it's pretty close perfection in my mind. So just like a smoother difficulty progression yeah, overall? Like the, the, a little bit smoother difficulty curve. Like, I'm definitely fine with it ramping up. Maybe just have, like, the the world just before that, like, treetop town's the only place before that that's even, like, remotely difficult. Like, treetop town are the first... Um, you know, snow level. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Those are usually the the only two hiccups. If I go through the game, I might die. Otherwise, it's a it's a pretty smooth ride. All right. So you heard it here first, folks. Buck thinks it's borderline perfection. It's pretty freaking close. It is pretty close. Rare, Rare knew what they were doing, even though they didn't know what they were doing making the game. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> so, have you played any of the the ports of the? Uh, of the original, like the Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, or those are probably the only important ones. Um, I haven't played either one of those. I mean, I've heard good things about the the Game Boy Advance one for sure. It's just the only issue is the the screen basically getting shrunken down, took away from it a little bit. But other than that, I think it's supposed to be a pretty faithful port. I never did play the Game Boy Color one. I mean, it looked really good for a Game Boy Color game. Yeah, those games were extraordinary. I don't know how they got anywhere near the amount of detail onto that system as they did. That was engineering prowess at its best. That's pretty crazy. Like you said, over there at Rare, though, they were, I wish they were doing... I wish Microsoft was doing something with them today, because that's for sure at the time, I think a lot of them are actually platonic now doing ukulele, but that's a, that's a talented group of people, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it sucks. To, I, I'm sure they're they're somewhat scattered at this point. I don't... I don't think a lot of them probably wanted to stick around at Microsoft, especially given the projects that they had to work on. Uh, they seem to have lost their way, um, be it in direction or just opportunity. And yeah, that is a that is a huge bummer. But thankfully, obviously, Retro Studios picked up the Donkey Kong Country series and have done some really good work there. Uh, they have, and especially uh, Tropical Freeze. That's a difficult platforming game, which I mean, I loved. But a kid get that, I mean, they would be. They'd be in trouble. Well, I've also heard that Donkey Kong Country Returns is actually relatively difficult um, by today's standards as well. Would you say it's anywhere near as difficult as the original trilogy? I'd say it's 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 more difficult than the first and third one. I think the second one's probably a little more difficult, but I mean, there it's still not not really a hard game. There, it had some stupid controls as far as just because it was on the Wii and. To like to do Donkey Kong's roll, you had to shake the control, which was really dumb, and you had to literally blow into the controller because they had a mechanic where he had to blow to find like power ups and secrets. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really annoying. Thank God we don't have to deal with that kind of finicky bullcrap that they always had to have on the Wii. Ugh, I yeah, don't miss those I've, days. The port of Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D on the 3DS doesn't look as good, but I like it a lot more. It plays better. Yeah, there you go. Well, or they should bring that to the Switch at some point. I'm surprised they haven't. That's just waiting to print money because I heard that Tropical Freeze did really well. 
Yeah. Uh, and I assume you like Tropical Freeze more. Yeah, I like Tropical Freeze um, quite a bit better. And I played it through the first time I played it through with one of my buddies, Cube. And that game is really difficult if you're playing co-op because, I mean, you just tend to get in each other's way. <laughs> the way those games just happen. And I played it through uh, by myself. I bought it because he actually owned it on the the Wii U, which I don't even didn't even own the console. And now I'm I'm glad I didn't because they ported over almost everything to the Switch. But I I did buy a uh, Tropical Freeze on the Switch and played through it and didn't think it was as difficult this time. But my gosh, that's a quality game with the set pieces they have and the I don't know what you call them like those almost sunset looking levels where you see like a silhouette of yourself and. There's just that's like just level design perfection, I would almost say, by retro. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think I heard in an interview that was why they went ahead and made the uh, the Tropical Freeze game because they're like after they worked on Returns, they're like there's a lot more that can be done with this this franchise, and uh, obviously they did uh, a wonderful job. Got rid of the 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 Wii Motion and went with just a standard. Um, yeah, just control standard, layout, like, regular control layout, and I will say I remember um, when 2010 is when Returns came out, and I remember thinking like that year was just unreal in general because I got a Donkey Kong Country game for the first time since '96, and then we got a Marvel vs. Capcom sequel for the first time since 2000. Like, wow, 2010 is ridiculous. What year did uh, Punch Out come out? That probably Punch wasn't out that was, year. Uh, 2009 okay well we had a good couple years there yeah that was the, that was <laughs> the one sure. other thing on the wii i was like oh man that's good stuff that's, but yeah you got so like you got three some... things i didn't think that i would basically ever see sequels to because oh, donkey better... kong was since rare had parted ways and went to microsoft donkey kong was kind of a, a dead license at that point well well thank god uh, Retro Studios revived it, even though I know it's kind of a, a ball buster for you that they're also working on the the Metroid series and having to divvy up their time between the two. But yeah, at, le- the at least there's one good studio working on two of our favorite Nintendo franchises. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. It's, yeah, I will say it is a good thing because obviously the other team that's working on it must have been dropping the ball for it to be like, OK, Retro, pick up the ball and just start from scratch because that must have been what happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because there uh, were rumors forever that they're working on the Star Fox racing game was supposed to like debut at E3 and then it just disappeared. That would be an interesting Wipeout clone. <laughs> Sounds like I don't know how that would work. That would be my guess, but it should be a new Donkey Kong like Country a, like, game. I, I would like them to develop like a four-player, like high-quality, obviously uh, full-fledged Star Fox game, but with a really good like four-player multiplayer. Like the dog fighting and stuff, like they had in '64, that was a lot of fun. That'd be cool, and I'm sure they could do it because it's a, a talented group of people. Assuming the same people are still there. Oh, we can only dream. So, um, another question for you then. So, with the 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 uh, updated games in the franchise, Returns and Tropical Freeze, were there any like modern updates that you really appreciated that those games brought into the series? Um, well. Also, say one that I didn't appreciate was obviously Nintendo wouldn't let them use um, the Kremlings or anything. So I thought the enemies were super lame, especially in a, in Return. It was like the Tiki Tribe, which was just a bunch of like 
I don't know, hula-looking tiki dudes with, like, big eyes that just looked really stupid. Instead of using, like, King K. Rool and the Kremlings, I'm sure that was a a rare thing. They didn't want to basically give them props for it. That was something that um, went the other direction. Yeah, that's kind of frustrating. You, you'd think even if they weren't able to bring them over, they could have came up with some type of more interesting design than that. You would have thought so. Um, as far as quality of life stuff, it's probably going to sound bad, but I actually like a lot of the uh, the Super Nintendo and the stuff from Rare better. I actually like a lot of the uh, everything, the sprites and everything were bigger. The levels are a little bit more zoomed in and the older ones. And that can give you a lot more uh, layout and room to work with. But I think the I don't know if the new ones look as good. There's just the new styles there and I'm not as big a fan of it as I am the original. The, uh, the, you know, Pixar almost looking like cool claymation-esque graphics. And, uh, yeah, I think they're the old ones are better, to be honest. Other than you're, that... You just got this old-school sensibility to you. But, no, I understand. Like, those those pre-rendered, pre-rendered backgrounds uh, were fantastic. And I'll always miss pre-rendered backgrounds but the until the day that, I die, pretty that, much. Uh, that Retro did, I will say, is the, uh, like I said, the level design. And the, they couldn't do, like, moving set pieces kind of back in the day with the old ones because, like you said, the backgrounds were the pre-rendered static backgrounds. Now they can have, like, a like a boulder scene or something or a scene where you're getting chased and then they're, like, rushing through actual buildings or whatever and things are being destroyed and falling down. That's cool things that they couldn't do back in the day. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice for, obviously, uh, gameplay variety and level design. So, yeah, that, that's nice that they could bring that in. Um, it was nice that Tropical Freeze, they brought David Wise back to do the music again, which was super cool because, like, this, the original, the first two games, like, he basically was the main composer on them, and um, Aquatic Ambiance is a, an awesome track from the first game that's, just one of the, I swear, one of the best songs, period. And if you're ever, like, stressed or having a bad day, just turn it on and everything kind of goes away. There you go. Yeah, I, I enjoy talking talking to people about soundtracks and what game uh, what game songs they really enjoyed, which ones, like, hold, like, a, a special place in their heart. And that sounds like that's pro- obviously one for you. Um, and those games did have great soundtracks. But uh, from what I remember, Return's soundtrack wasn't as good. It was kind of generic. No, it was, and the only like a lot of the good songs they had because David Wise at the time he was still actually with Rare and, and Microsoft, and he was freelance by the time that uh, Tropical Freeze came out. But they basically just tried to. The only good songs were songs that their composer, which I forgot he was a Japanese fella, I forgot his name, but basically just ripped off like and tried to update old like donkey kong country tracks and some of the new ones yeah they just felt kind of uninspired the tracks that weren't just ripped off yeah i mean that that's disappointing i mean for the the entire the entire series being known for that and then obviously just being like high quality games overall i mean i think we talked about it before it, it's hard to think of a series that has hit such a, a high average in quality across every game in the series yeah, especially if you take out, I mean, take out Donkey Kong 64. It was made by Rare, but it doesn't technically have a Donkey Kong Country title in it, so we're not going to count it because that game was a little, little rough. 
bad way to do a collectathon. Let's just say that. Yeah, it was annoying. I do have I do have affection for it because it was the the first Nintendo sixty four game I ever owned. But yeah, oh, there was nice. a there, there was a there was a lot to hate about that game. Very I obnoxious, did, I, but the graphics were good, and I mean the gameplay was kind of fun if you take out just like the monotony and just like why can't I just have like a character switch button? This is stupid. Yeah, if they just would have had that, I think it would have it would actually been a great game. And I remember it came with the like the N sixty four whatever like the expansion pack. Yes, Expan- the expansion yeah. pack. That was it. Yeah, well, I remember when I got mine. I got it for. I think I got it for my birthday or something, and I got the Donkey Kong 64 lime green translucent Nintendo oh, 64 translucent package. Green. Yeah. yeah. I just I, picked up the cartridge I'm looking at now, the sweet yellow. Sweet banana one. Cart. Yeah. yeah, and the, the box art here, see, they tease you even on the box art, and they show, like, a minecart section. They should have just showed you looking at random colored bananas and having the wrong Kong out. <laughs> just became... showing Donkey Kong scratching his head in disappointment. Of like a purple banana that he can't get. Yeah, that game had a lot of really cool ideas, and it was it was really disappointing that those design choices, if you want to call them that, just it seems like huge missteps uh, held it back so much. Yeah, like you said, it was just a couple things. Feel like if they had to change, that we'd be still be talking about like an all time classic because the actual mechanics in the movement and everything itself, everything the controls and everything are on point. It's just the too many Kongs, too many power-ups, or not power-ups, but too many collectibles, and that made it super frustrating. Yeah, but what a what a good series, and I mean, I feel like the the last half of this episode, we've just been talking about the rest of the series and not the the first game and and how important it was, but every everything else that's come after it just built upon what was near perfection out of the gate. Um, Donkey Kong is one of those games like when you play it, it just feels right. And I know I've said this in previous episodes. There's there's very special games that like you don't you don't think about how well they they feel in your hands or how well they're designed. That's just a mark of good game design if you don't notice it. And I think my previous example was like how you know Mega Man Mega Man X feels when you play those games and how everything just feels kind of effortless except for the difficulty of the game. Uh, Donkey Kong very much recreates that as well. And I mean, that's I can't sing higher praises to a game than I just enjoy it without actually having to think about why. Oh, for sure. And I feel like, too, that our our generation that we're in is kind of in a unique spot because the generation before us, like, doesn't really care about Donkey Kong. And I think really the generation after doesn't really know a lot about Donkey Kong. But if you're like, I'm going to say... 28 to 35 ish and you live through the the boom of donkey kong country and basically that 94 to 99 boom of uh rare and donkey kong like it was people that didn't weren't there then wouldn't understand what kind of a huge deal and i mean he was basically taken over for mario as the mascot yeah well um, i mean if you like the 16-bit era yeah no i mean if you look back at the sales charts for the Super NES, all three games for the Donkey Kong Country series are in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, talk to to like a, a gamer, like I said, that's um, just lived through that era and was a big fan at that time, and they probably hold either Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, or 3, or all of them, like in high regard, where just a few years before after that, 
I mean, it's just kind of forgotten, which is a shame. Because right now, I feel like Nintendo... Like, there was nothing for Nintendo, period, about the 25th anniversary of Donkey Kong Country. And maybe it's because Rare, you know, they're still not on great terms, which obviously it's better than it had been because of Banjo being in Smash and whatnot. But it's just a shame that they've kind of... You know, he's kind of the redhead stepchild of huge, like, AAA Nintendo franchises because of the whole rare deal and them going with Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a difficulty with our, with our fandom and Nintendo. I tell you what, Donkey Kong and Metroid kind of, that was a, that was a dark time between the Super Nintendo and, and the Wii <laughs> for me. But at least they didn't, um, you know, kind of like, I don't know, Can drag drag the name <laughs> through the mud with some of the games that came out in the series. Talk about Donkey Konga 1 and 2? Oh, well, well, yeah, that's right. I forgot about those. The Jungle Beat. Yeah, Jungle Beat's actually not that bad. Like, it's, it's a pretty fun game and a pretty okay platformer. But, I mean, I gotta say, like, Donkey Konga 2 especially didn't even have, like, music from the game. It just had songs at the time. So you got, like, Good Charlotte and Avril Lavigne on there. It's like, are you kidding just, me? We didn't play that one co-op. Uh, we should have. I have two sets of bongo drums right in here, so I don't know why we didn't. Get You're the played, only like, person that does. I don't know how we missed out on this opportunity. Seriously, we could have been playing the anthem from Good Charlotte. On a we were too busy playing Toki Toki Drum Master, a much much better game. Taiko Drum Master. Oh, okay. Not Toki Toki Panic. Taiko Drum Master helps up to the sweet drums. crossover. Yes. Yeah, I remember we were late to school because we were playing Rock the Dragon. What? You picked me up. Yeah, hell yeah. It's a good time right there. <laughs> it's worth it being late. Yeah. Rocking the Dragon. So we've gotten pretty far off topic here. A little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. But yeah, Donkey Kong, 25 years. It'll be interesting to see what the next 25 years brings it. Hopefully another, like, I would have swore they were going to do a trilogy again, you would think, with Retro. I mean, we had Return, Tropical Freeze, I want another trilogy, where's the third game? Well, they're so close. Uh, I don't want to say it's a shoe-in, because who knows at this point. But Metroid Prime 4 will drop eventually, and hopefully at that point they can put some, if not all, of their team towards that, and it'll be good for all of you Donkey Kong fans. Well, I would like to think, too, with obviously being on better terms with Rare, since K. Rool's in Smash, Ban- Banjo's in Smash, maybe we can actually get the Kremlings to come back instead of the the Tiki tribe or the random snow dudes, which are better than Tropical Freeze. The snow dudes are cooler. <laughs> but just give me the Kremlings back. Yeah, I was kind of hopeful when they uh, announced K. Rool for Smash that they were going to announce something. Well, I, when they dropped a trailer for Banjo, it looked like they were like teasing a Donkey Kong Country, and I was like, "Oh, I'm getting hyped!" And they're like, "Oh, it's Banjo." Yeah, you were you were probably the only person that was like super disappointed by that. Yeah, it's like I want Donkey Kong Country trailer dropping during E3, not Banjo. Yes, it's it, it's incredible Nintendo making those trailers for Smash and just how many people they can get excited and pissed off. That that's their goal, Ma- maximum amount of emotions. So <laughs> they do a heck of a job with them, that's for sure. Yeah, they do. 
So they need to work on getting us a new a new Donkey Kong trailer then. Maybe E3 next year. We'll see how that goes. Or your Nintendo Treehouse, those beloved things. Yes, not the Treehouse, what's uh, the Directs? Oh, the Directs work too, yeah. The Treehouse we'll just play random games, isn't it? It is. Sometimes they do some announcements there, though. So, yeah, celebrating the 25th anniversary of Donkey Kong Country. Glad we could do that, Buck. I know you were you were looking forward to uh, talking about the game for a while now. It seems like it's as good a time as any. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we... I mean, we did touch on the music a little bit, but, yeah, I think it's got some of the best music in gaming. I mean, right up there. Obviously, Castlevania has fantastic music, Mega Man... Um, the Chrono franchise, and that put Donkey Kong Country right up there with the kind of the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I mean it's it's got everything really: graphics, gameplay, music. It's got everything you want, plus replayability and spades. It's astounding how many people are are still speed running that game to this day. Yeah, I mean, and I've, just... I've done it every year for the past twenty five years. It's got to hold some kind of good replay value. Yeah, and it's astounding that you know they did they designed it. I don't know if they intentionally at the beginning designed it to be like that, but I've heard interviews since that that was part of the goal in designing the levels and uh, the way the characters move. So they knocked it out of the park on that. Yeah, definitely. The whole game was uh, uh, just a home run in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we'll we'll stop treading water here. We'll go ahead and wrap the episode up. Buck, where can they find us? You can find us uh, on Twitter. We are at Buckchuck Gaming, and also on a Sci Cloud. Wow, SoundCloud <laughs> in the iTunes App Store. Yeah, and also take a new take a gander at our new logo that was designed by one of Buck's buddies who had a little bit of extra time and certainly an artistic gentleman. I appreciated that yeah. new design, and it definitely speaks to some of our favorite games. Yeah, shout out to Nate Barnett. He actually does a podcast himself, but. Uh, the Sticks and Picks podcast, so you guys should definitely check that out too. But yeah, you definitely uh, got us a, a new logo uh, yesterday. We just got that put up, so appreciate that, buddy. Oh, for sure. And as always, I'm Buck. I know I'm not. Well, I guess I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, okay. <laughs> I hope you leave this in there. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. You've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot.